Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Gary Owen. It took me uh, 12 days, 11 days before I could record again. I think I'm just now getting over the Super Bowl just because everyone was saying we should just be happy to be there. And at first I was like, yeah, I'm glad the Bengals are in the Super Bowl. It still was a good year. But then you get greedy and you get selfish and you think, God dang it, we're so close. I had... I did have a good time. I was row one, section 135. Shouts out to Dwayne Wade for coming through, selling me his... Okay, I'm not going to say the price or how much money I made or sold him for. Dwayne has a suite at SoFi, Dwayne and Gab Union. And I guess when you're season ticket holders, the NFL buys all the suites for the Super Bowl. I'm finding all this out this year because it's the first year I ever really wanted to go to the Super Bowl. Because I've been invited in the past, had an opportunity to go, but I said I'm never going to go unless the Bengals go. So it just so happened it was this year. So I guess how it works is Dwayne had a suite, Gab's got a suite, and I guess he bought the tickets months ago for the Super Bowl because the NFL buys a suite. So I guess they they offered to sell him eight tickets. So he bought the tickets before he even knew who was in the Super Bowl. What I've been told is Ashton Kutcher wanted to buy the eight tickets. And then when he decided he didn't want to go because he's a Bears fan, I guess, and they weren't going. Dwayne had promised him to Ashton, and all Dwayne's people had said, yo, once the Bengals went, they was like, you got to offer at least two tickets to Gary. You got to, because everybody knows I'm diehard. Even in the dark years, I was diehard. I've had this thing since a year and a half ago when they really stunk, uh, when, when Finley was the quarterback. That's when that thing got delivered. The, and the, the, this ball thing over here, this that sticks, got that when they were terrible. So I appreciate Dwayne's people and Dwayne thinking of me right off the bat because when the Bengals beat the Chiefs, I had, and I'm not lying, I saved it because I couldn't believe it. I had 168 text messages within 30 minutes after the Bengals beat the Chiefs. And then, of course, people's FaceTiming and calling. So Roxy was in the suite for the Rams 49ers game, NFC title game. So she's the one that FaceTimed me, and that's when I saw Dwayne and Gab and shouts out to my girl Chantel and all these other people. And they were so hyped about us going to the Super Bowl because they knew I was the first person they thought of. So Dwayne said, uh, is, well, Chantel called Dwayne's right hand and was like, yo, Dwayne's got eight. How many do you want? And I said, can I buy all eight? She said, yeah. And it was a lot of money. Obviously, if you know how much Super Bowl tickets go for at SoFi. So I bought all eight, not knowing what I was going to do with the eight, but I said, I'm just going to get all eight and hopefully I'll make my money back or something else. So what I did was I asked my son to go. He couldn't make it. So I asked another friend to go. And then I thought the right thing to do, since Chantel was the one that brokered everything, got Dwayne on the phone and, and thought of me and everything else, I thought it was... The right thing to do was invite her to go. So I said, I invited Chantel, and she, I said, you can have two tickets, Chantel. And I was hoping I could make my money back off the four tickets left. So I told Chantel, bring your husband. But if your husband can't go, I'd really like you to bring Lindsay Falk. Lindsay Falk was funny as Marshall Falk's ex-wife. Of course, everybody knows Marshall Falk used to play for the Rams. So Lindsay ended up going with Chantel. And I told Lindsay and Chantel, I don't care who you root for, you will not be wearing Rams colors. If I'm leaving your first row tickets, 
I wanted that whole corner we was at to be orange and black. So I sold two of the tickets to my buddy TC, a promoter out of Cincinnati. And then the other two, I was having a hard time selling because I was like, I had a lot of people flaking. They said, yeah, they wanted them, but then obviously didn't have the money because they were pricey and everything. So I ended up just putting them on Ticketmaster and said, what can we, wonder we can make for them. And I used Ticketmaster's suggested price, which was a lot. Less than 48 hours later, I sold the other two tickets. So I ended up making my money back and made a little bit. I could have made a lot if I wouldn't have did the right thing, invited Chantel and Lindsay, but I'm so glad they went. Those are the homegirls. But if I would have had just sold six, God, I would have made a killing. But selling four, I made my money back off buying eight. And I was so curious as to who bought the other two. What ended up being this, these two guys, it looked like a father-son, and I don't want to be like a, a little kid, like a, the, the son looked like in his 20s or 30s, and the dad looked like in his 50s or 60s. But they were clearly from another country. I want to say Australia, but I get my accents mixed up. Once you get outside of the U.S., I know what a Mexican accent is. I know what a Canadian accent is. That's it, an American. That's it. I don't know outside that it gets all confusing to me. I, I wanted to talk to them and thank them, but they like watched the game, but they weren't loyal to any team. It's like they were just watching. And I think they were just here in America or they made a special trip to go to the Super Bowl. I don't know, but I appreciate them buying those tickets because I made my money back because of those two gentlemen right there. Now let's get to the game. Ah, oh, So the Monday before, I've always said I have a, I've had a very love-hate relationship with the Bengals front office. But I will say that's in the past and we're moving on because they called me and they, they wanted me to host this pep rally they had. 30,000 people showed up in Cincinnati for this pep rally to send the team off to LA. And I don't know if you've seen it, but the Rams did it like a high school stadium and not a lot of people showed up. This was ridiculous. They were, it was freezing. There were people there two hours early before this rally started. And they didn't really care about me and this, this other guy that co-hosts with me. His name's Bingle Jim. He's the, I thought I was a big Bengals fan. Bingle Jim's got me beat, no doubt. He's the biggest diehard number one Bengals fan on, in the world. So they had us two host him. The crowd, we were just hype men. They could care less. They just wanted the team to come out and hear the players speak. Because we were there, and it was funny. I said, I'm going to do, I'm going to get them hyped. They wanted me to do like three minutes up top. So I, I'll never forget. I said, yo, it's Joe Burrow, not Burrows for all the announcers out there. Just like the grocery store is Kroger, not Kroger's. And I said, just like I'm Owen, not Owens. And the crowd was laughing a little bit. Then I tried to get a joke off. And I went, oh, snap. Uh, that's the last joke I tell. I became the hype man for the next hour because I did a joke. It was like, LA don't want this. I go, LA loses the Super Bowl. They gonna go in the ocean and go swimming and go surfing. They don't care. I said, what are we gonna do with Cincinnati? Jump in the Ohio River? I said, that's the only place coronavirus ain't hit yet. And when I did it in the mirror, it sounded funny. And I was like, that should get them hyped and get them, you know, it's pro Cincinnati and LA don't want the Super Bowl. And, oh yeah. And I was gonna say, LA didn't even want the Rams. I go, they left and came back. That's like getting a divorce and then getting back with your ex-wife. I don't want to say that because uh, what I'm going through right now, I thought people might twist and turn it. And when that Ohio River joke didn't hit, I was like this. Yeah, I'm just going to be hype, man. 
So all I did was a hype man. So everything was cool. They had a lot of Cincinnati legends come through. Kenny Anderson, Willie Anderson, Tim Crumry, David Fulcher, Jim Breach. Just a lot of Cincinnati, old Cincinnati Bengal legends came through. We saw the coaches get interviewed. Then we saw Burrow and Matthew Stafford get interviewed. That was all on the big screen. The cheerleaders did something. I remember somebody was in my ear. You got that earpiece in your ear. And somebody goes, yo, we got two minutes. We need two minutes before the team's ready to come out. So now I'm like, oh, snap. I, they clearly don't want to hear jokes, so I got to become a hype man again. This is literally what I did for two minutes for the guy in my earpiece said the team's ready to come out. I was like, the team is here! The team is here! On repeat, till that somebody's got my ear said they're ready to come out. I would just pace them back and forth, almost like talking to myself. The team is here! The team is here! Back and forth. Two minutes. Doesn't seem like a long time. Two minutes, and you're like, when is this dude going to get in my ear? And then the team comes out, and that's when you— A lot of people don't know, we got a big head coach. Like, Zach Taylor's taller than me. That's a big boy. And then the energy just went— 30,000 turned into, like, 100,000 with the energy in the stadium. Then they came out. Let me tell you who got the biggest ovations. They they introduced the starters. And they the, the practice squad came out, and the, the whatever— Everybody got a good ovation. Obviously, they waited for Joe Burrow to be last. Joe Burrow clearly got the biggest ovation. Guess who got the second biggest? And it wasn't even close. The kicker. Evan McPherson. You know, they was like Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, you know, uh, Sam Hubbard. They were the defense, offensive guy. They said Evan McPherson. I thought they said Deion Sanders. Like, that crowd went nuts. And he's just so cool. Did anybody see him at halftime? He never went in the locker room. He watched Snoop, Dre, and M.M. He just watched the halftime show from the bench. So it became very obvious that Joe Burrow's a rock star. Being that close to him, like I caught myself just staring at him. Like, oh my God, that's the guy that's going to turn my team around. And the, I, had, I had one person get on the field with me. And their only job was to get a picture with me and Burrow while we're on the stage. Now, there's pictures of me and Burrow on the stage with everybody but I said, yo, you get a shot, get a chance. Get a, I, I think I've met everybody else on the team and got pictures with them. But Burrow, I just haven't. I didn't want to be weird. I thought this is perfect, perfect time. We're on the stage together or as he's walking to the locker room after. There's not a lot of people around. But I also said, I heard they spent like some ungodly amount, like a million dollars on fireworks after the uh, rally. So the person that was supposed to take pictures of me and Joe Burrow was getting videos of the fireworks and they said, well, you set the fireworks. I thought you went to fireworks. I said, yeah, but I kept going like this. Yo, yo, because I kept like next to Joe, but it won't make it awkward. And what I figured out in this business, entertainment business, is you never, you don't always be the guy as for the pictures. Have somebody with you with a camera and go, hey, let me get you and Gary in a shot. They usually think you're a professional photographer. It's usually your homeboy or homegirl, and they're taking the shot. That's what I was trying to do. Make it organic and have somebody go, hey, Joe, get a picture with Gary. And it just, it didn't happen. So anyways, it is what it is. Now let's get to the game. So this was my weekend before the Super Bowl. I was in Huntsville, Alabama on Thursday. I was in Fayetteville, North Carolina on Friday. I'm in Greensboro, North Carolina on Saturday. So shouts out to Tony Rock because we had a show. It was me, I think it was me, him, Epps, somebody else in Greensboro. So. 
I was supposed to go second to last on the lineup. I didn't realize Greensboro was about four, four and a half hour drive to Atlanta. I had to get to Atlanta by 7 a.m. to catch that direct to L.A. so I could make the Super Bowl Sunday morning. So I asked Tony Rock to switch with me on the lineup so I can go first, so I can get out of Greensboro and get on the road to get back to Atlanta. So Tony switched. Everything went smooth. Got back to Atlanta about 1, 2 in the morning. Got about three, four hours sleep. Got up, got on the plane, slept the whole flight. Got to L.A., got to the hotel, was able to check in early, shocker. Headed to the Super Bowl, got there early. I didn't feel like tailgating or anything. I just wanted to get in the stadium, get in my seats and enjoy the festivities. And then the game starts and Bengals' first series, we sack Stafford, we're getting pressure on him. I'm like, oh, we're in this. Because I the whole week leading up to the Super Bowl, I, told, I did Jalen Jacoby. I did every interview possible. I kept saying the same thing. Two things we know is going to happen. You don't know, but you think it's going to happen. Aaron Donald's going to get his sacks, but Matthew Stafford is going to throw his picks. I said, there wasn't a doubt in my mind Aaron Donald's going to have at least one sack, but Matthew Stafford was going to have at least one pick. He's very generous at times. And both happened. Like, Stafford threw two picks, and Donald got plenty of sacks. But when we got, I kept saying people aren't talking enough about Trey Hendrickson. And sure enough, he got a sack, but then I give the Rams line credit. They they couldn't run on the Bengals at all, but they were throwing up. I mean, Cooper Cup's amazing. They were throwing that ball. So I don't have to get all into the game, but the only thing that bothers me is, and I'm, I'm, everybody said it, if the refs didn't call nothing all game, and then that last offense here by the Rams are going to start calling ticky-tack, the third and eight was the one that was the backbreaker. It's third and eight. Logan Wilson clearly just covering Cooper Cup, knocks the ball down, and it's, I'm like, fourth and eight. I said, we're, we're going to stop him. I literally, in my brain, I go, we're going to stop him. And that flag came out. Oh, my God. That's when I was like, just score so we can get the ball back. And then I've watched every single replay of that last drive of the Bengals. Every, every angle, every version, two things. And I don't know if you've seen it, but the fourth and one, Jalen Ramsey fell down. Jamar Chase was wide open. If Burrow had one more second to go through his reads and drop that ball to Jamar, we're Super Bowl champs. But the third and one, which nobody's talking about, I saw two. Aaron Donald, one was lined up off sides. Two, our lineman blocked him in to Pirine. Like, he was, it didn't look like he was headed that way. It looked like the way he was lined up and the gap he was in. We literally, two guys moved him in to P-Run. I go, what was that? So, not blame, well, you could blame the offensive line, but, I mean, it's really hard to block Aaron Donald, but, but if any free agent offensive linemen are out there, Starbucks is on me. If I mean, if you're decent, on me. I'll, I mean, I got the app. I'll, I'll give you my code. You can have it. That's all I can offer linemen at this point is Starbucks on Gary. We just need, he needs a lot more protection. Joe Burrow doesn't throw him on the bus. He just is a team effort. But we all know what it is. We, yeah, we need three. Three new linemen. I'm not going to say who. Two, two are really good, but three aren't. So we need three. It makes me feel good that I think people are going to start coming to Cincinnati because Rob Gronkowski already said, if I ain't playing with Brady, I'd like to play with Burrow. I was like, okay. Well, first thing we need to do is re-sign Jesse Bates. And then we need to re-sign C.J. Uzama. And ain't about 
he's a great tight end, Uzama, but it's more of what he does in the locker room and off the field and brings the team together. And just, I don't know. I give Zach Taylor a lot of credit because he has turned the whole culture of the team around. And, and shouts out to the front office for thinking of me. I talked to a couple guys when I was uh, rehearsing for the pep rally, and they told me they said they were very aware of how the past regime in Cincinnati didn't like, quote unquote, take care, take care of their celebrity fans. And like I told him, I said, dude, I feel like the relationship was Ike and Tina Turner and I was Tina. I was just getting beat up by you guys. I go, but I'm here. I'm like, whatever you need me to do, I'll do. Like, I just, I'm just diehard like that. It's in my blood. So I just was, <sighs> it's really frustrating. But we always got next year. Everything's about being staying healthy. I mean, if you're a free agent, let's be honest. Where do you want to go right now? What? What team looks young, has the money, and it sounds crazy, stable? The Bengals are looked at like a stable organization right now. I never thought I'd say that. You, I mean, Buffalo and Cincinnati, it all comes down to where you want to live. You want to live in Buffalo or you want to live in Cincinnati? I'm going to pick Cincinnati myself. But if you're asking any lineman or any, you know, both got solid defenses, both got good quarterbacks, but Cincinnati's got, man, we got some wide receivers. We got, we got a running back. We got everything. Oh, God, we're so freaking close. So that was my Super Bowl week. I, and I had I'd already, made, I'd already bought my airline ticket to go back to Cincinnati for the parade. I talked to Coach Taylor, Zach. We were going to try to get me on stage during the Super Bowl. Unlike Kevin Hart, we had a little, we had a little plan hatched. Not going to give it away. But. <sighs> on to next year. It, I, I heard DeMarcus Spears say on ESPN, I agree with him. The Bengals don't need to send nobody to the NFL Combine or these senior days. You send one person and they just look at the linemen. You're not, you shouldn't be looking at DBs. You shouldn't be looking at wide receivers, running backs. We don't, we don't need to see that. Everybody needs to be linemen. And I love the fact that like Mike Hilton's already trying to get Tunzel out of, the, out of Houston. I heard, I heard there was talk about I can't remember the guy's name. There's some big offensive lineman. There's like somebody threw some trade scenario that actually made sense. Anyways, just please come to Cincinnati. Please. All right, enough about the Super Bowl. Oh, and shout out to the guy that provided me with the hoodie. Black owned out of Cincinnati. Getting a lot of compliments on it. As comfortable as anything. Now let me get into Russell Peters' wedding. I've been looking forward to this wedding forever. He had it at the Ritz-Carlton Laguna Beach. I don't want to know how much he spent on it, but it was a lot. I I'll give you some... Some highlights of the wedding. So, Ritz-Carlton alone, Laguna Beach, is some cash. And then I went and saw Russell February 9th. He was in Houston. I was in Houston, and I went and saw his, uh, his show. And he had said, like, the next week, he was flying to Abu Dhabi, I think, somewhere in the Middle East. He had a show Friday. His wedding Sunday. I said, you're flying all the way over there. How are you going to get back? He goes, I arrived at the show. They're getting him a private to take him to Dubai. Then Dubai has to catch a direct back to L.A. He says, I should make it back Saturday night. So, well, like Saturday, like 4 o'clock or something like that. I said, are you risking it? He goes, you understand, the money they're paying me for this show is going to pay for my wedding. So he made, obviously, Russell made it back in time. I go to the wedding. And let me say, one of my favorite people on the planet is Lunell. Because I'm so glad she was sitting at my table. She just made it fun. And then we had, I had Kim Whitley at my table, Caroline Ray. 
couple other comedians. It was just a fun table to be at during the wedding. Because weddings, once you get the reception, when you got assigned seating, it's all about who's at your table. If you get a fun table, cutting up, drinking, laughing, the wedding's fun. If you get at a blah, you don't know anybody, nobody's talking to each other, or everybody's just quiet. You know, that happens to me a lot at weddings. Like, and I think it's because it sounds bad, but if I go to a wedding and I'm the only quote-unquote entertainer or celeb at the wedding, sometimes I feel like people don't know what to talk to me about. A lot of times, guys come up and talk football. They'll, they'll, just, they'll break the ice by talking football. But other than that, a lot of people just, just I think they just stare. And I'd probably be the same way, if I'm being honest. Like, if I'm at a wedding and Barack Obama's at my table, I don't know how to break the ice with Barack. Just start, I'd probably do what guys do to me. Start talking about Chicago and the Bulls and the Bears and stuff. That's a great icebreaker for that type of situation. But I'm glad I was at a table with Lunell. Lunell's one of my favorite people. She just drinks, and she's the same person no matter what. And they had this wall. When you walked into the reception, it was outdoor wedding at 3.30, and then the cot tower was 4 to 5. Then at 5, we all went inside. And when you walked in, they had this wall of champagne flutes, the flute glasses, and your name was on there and your table number. And, or it was your nickname. So my nickname with Russ and his wife is Bars Walk Away. Because one night I took a gummy and I smoked a little too much weed in Russ's backyard. And I was just freestyle rapping. And I put it, I put it on, uh, I think I put it on YouTube and I put it on my Instagram. But I was so high. I was doing like one verse raps. And then when I do the rap, I just go, Bars Walk Away, Walk Away. And, and it, were, it was terrible rhymes. It was like, it was like, yeah, I run track, but Usain Bolt's fast. But today, I'm filming the Get Some podcast. Bars walk away. But I kept doing it for like 30 minutes. So now Russell's wife, every time she, she's like, bars walk away. So that was my nickname for the, uh, for the wedding. So they had this wall of champagne flutes, right? Then this motherfucker, he had uh, Bruce Buffer introduce him, him and his wife. Just like he was at a UFC fight. It's time for Russell and Ollie Peters. And I, I'm watching Bruce Buffer get ready. He was getting ready just like he was, he was at a UFC fight. He was on stage, bobbing, weaving, looking at his phone, make sure he got the names right. I think he was shadow boxing at one point. I was like, oh, he's really into this. So he introduces them. They come out. I mean, the, the ballroom it was in was like out of a movie. It was beautiful. I've been to two weddings where I was like, wow, this is going to be hard to top. Gabrielle and Dwayne Wade's wedding and uh, this one, Russell Peters. Both those weddings, I was like, oh, you can't get married for another year. You can't be the next person to get married if you was at that wedding. Because you, I've been, I went to four weddings this year and that one, it wasn't even close. Like just financially and the way it was run and everything else, I was like... Because he had the champagne wall, open bar, which isn't cheap, with, with high-end liquor. And then all of a sudden, when we got done eating, that same wall that the champagne was on, now it had all these crumble cookie boxes. And, you know, crumble got them big cookies. So it was like all these cookies lined up with his crumble cookie boxes. Then he had like a candy station where you just fill up a bag with candy. And then it hit about 10 o'clock. Go outside, he had a chicken and waffle food truck 
parked on the Ritz-Carlton courtyard and right in the middle of the grass because everybody was smoking. He had Rocky Patel there. Anybody knows the, the burn lounges, the cigar lounges? He has all the cigars. So everybody was out there smoking cigars, smoking other stuff, uh, chicken and waffles. And um, it, was just, it was just fun. I, Lennox Lewis was there. So Lennox Lewis, one of my favorite boxers of all time. Met him a few times. It's always cool to talk to him. I didn't realize how big and thick his hands were. Because I said, what's up, man? I hit his hand. It was so meaty. And th- it was like three, you see mine. It was like three of mine in thickness and bigger. And I was like, God, I would get, get I would hate to get hit by you in the face. That's all I kept thinking about. I was like, oh my God. Who else is there? Uh, big Roy Nelson, the UFC guy was there. Michael Jai White and his wife was there. I haven't seen them in a while. It was just like, uh, you got to catch up with people. Cedric, oh, best part of the wedding, Cedric did the ceremony. He didn't have a preacher. You know, Russ is an atheist, so he had, uh, his wife's not, but he is, but he has Cedric do the wedding, and Cedric just made it fun. He made it fun, he made it funny, and I was like, oh, because I all the weddings I've been to, it's kind of emotional, and the preacher it gets kind of deep and almost scares you a little bit. This was just fun. I felt like, oh, they're going to make it. They're going to make it because their wedding's fun. So this is going to be fun. I was so Russ, and I, you just had to be there. I, if you go to his Facebook page or, or Instagram page, I'm sure there'll be videos this week. But Cedric was killing the crowd, and it was real quick. It wasn't drawn out, and it was just like, you know, just a fun wedding. I stayed an extra day just because I didn't want to rush out. So let me get to my extra day. So the wedding's Sunday night. I stayed an extra day because I didn't want to rush back, and plus I had to record the podcast and stuff. So Monday I'm there, and I go, I look up online to find somewhere to eat lunch. So there's a place called the Monarch Bay Beach Club, and it's in the Waldorf Astoria, which is right down the street from the Ritz-Carlton. I don't know. You either have to be staying at the Waldorf Astoria, or you have to be with somebody staying at the Waldorf Astoria, or you have to be a member of the Monarch Bay Beach Club to eat at this at this beachfront restaurant. So we, I go, and I got my two friends with me, and none of us are staying there. We just looked it up online and thought it was close. So the everybody was cool, but they it was funny because you got to take a, uh, it's like a little shuttle from the Ritz to the Waldorf, and the guy gives you like a, um, a history lesson on the way. It was kind of cool. He goes, see that house right there? That's where Sammy Hagar lives. Now, if you're going to the Monarch Bay Beach Club for lunch, it's not uncommon to see Mark Sanchez, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen here. They all live up here. They're all members. He's just name-dropping out the yin-yang. He goes, and we got a lot of celebs that come here, a lot of comedians. And the dude said comedians. And I'm in the the car going. (laughs) So when I got there, the guy was cool, but he said, you can't eat here because they they don't take credit cards. They don't take cash. You got to charge it to the room or you have a Monarch Bay Beach Club account. And I was like, no, we got friends staying at the Waldorf. Can I call them? They go, and the guy was like, well, they have to be here with you. Again, nobody's being rude, cordial, nice. So we just took the L. We was like, me and my two friends was like, let's find somewhere else to eat. We're literally getting ready to walk out. This guy, this anonymous guy that to this day, I don't know who he is. He had an Oregon hat on. He goes, hey, hey, you guys want to eat here? And we were like, well, we can't. He goes, no, 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 it's fine. You guys enjoy your day. Eat here, it's on me. The guy don't know us from Adam. He don't know my two friends, nothing. 
And I was like, what? Do you want me to pay for it? He goes, no, 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 no. Enjoy your day. And I was like, I don't, I don't know what to say. So I don't know if he recognized me or not, or he's just being a nice guy, but I just never had that happen before. Like we were leaving and he stopped us from leaving. He goes, ah, you guys look, enjoy your day. But I told my friends, I go, I think it's, I said, either he recognized me or it's how we handled things when we got turned away. Because we didn't make a scene. We didn't make a fuss. We was like, oh, we just, we didn't know the rules. Those are the rules. And that was it. And we were just like, oh, okay, we didn't know. And then we're leaving. And he stopped us. And I was like, oh my God. So whoever this anonymous person is that was at the Monarch Bay Beach Club at the Waldorf Astoria on Monday at about 2 p.m. on February 21st. He was at the bar, he was sitting in the corner, had an Oregon hat. Thank you. Lunch was amazing. I don't know who you are, but I don't, I didn't know what to do. I kept looking at him like, I don't know what to do. I want, do I, do I pay you or what do I do? I don't know. But thanks for the lunch. So shouts out to you. And I guess I'll roof for Oregon a little bit this year. Not all the time, but I got a free lunch out of it. <laughs> And then we didn't abuse it either because there, there was steak on the menu and we could have got drinks. Nah, we just got salads. We didn't abuse it. So that was my weekend coming off this depression with the Bengals. And then I just remember one night, one night this weekend, I was in my hotel room and I don't know if anybody's seen this. I came across the Cosby documentary on Showtime and I just watched the first part of it. I don't know how many parts there are, but I was dumbfounded by the level, uh, one, the level of power Bill Cosby had at one point, two, the money he was making. I didn't realize the money he was generating through the Cosby show and all his endorsements. And that guy completely abused all of it, abused all the power and all the money. Like the way, the lengths he went to manipulate and get these young ladies to do what he did and whatever, drugged him up, whatever. I was in awe. And what got me, and I haven't watched the second one yet because I was watching it on Showtime and I just was channel surfing in my hotel room. So I didn't watch it on demand. I'm gonna wait till I get home to finish it. But I had no idea that Hannibal Burris literally is the reason that all this Bill Cosby stuff really came to light. Because it, it, it leads you on a cliffhanger. The episode I was watching, it said, everybody kind of knew the inner circles but nobody was saying anything. I don't think they, I don't think people knew he was drugging women. I think people knew he had a lot of young model girls all the time. They said at outside his dressing room on the Cosby show and he was mentoring them. But they, they ended it with, and who knew that a comedian would do a joke about Bill Cosby that would just get the fire started. Cause I remember when Hannibal Burris did the joke and it got put on YouTube and social media I always heard rumors, but I, you don't know. You hear a lot of stuff about a lot of people. You just, whatever. But when he said, Google Bill Cosby rape and see what pops up, I was like, oh, I forgot all about that. And I forgot that Cosby tried to get Hannibal, like, basically blackballed and all this stuff. And I didn't realize that was a catalyst that really got the ball rolling against Bill Cosby. I just, I didn't, I knew Hannibal did the joke, but I didn't realize people watched it and it went to that level because of it. That's, that to me, is was nuts, was nuts. So, so that was my last two weeks in a nutshell. So now what do I got to look forward to? The draft, still not divorced officially. Might as well throw that in there. Working on it, but not divorced. So I just tell my kids I still love them. 
I know you guys are, you didn't ask for any of this. It's because it, I think in every divorce, it, it gets ugly at times. So we're kind of in a, we're in an ugly phase right now. I'll put it that way. And so I just want to tell my kids I love them. It's not your fault. None of this is. So, all right, guys. Well, we'll see you next week. Uh, I would say who my guest is, but it, it always changes. You do a podcast, people cancel quick because <laughs> they're not getting paid to be on here. Actually doing me a favor by coming on. So I'll see you guys next week. This is Gary Owens to Get Some Podcast. <laughs>